Welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. What a privilege it is to be with you today. Thank you for logging on and joining us. We uh, usually do this once or twice a month on a Tuesday and it's today time for Love Unlocks Live Sessions where we chat to amazing people about their testimonies, their stories of how God's love has unlocked their lives. We, uh, one of the words we have been using in the world the most over the last year or so is the word lockdown. And I think all of us can do with a little bit of unlocking uh, in our spiritual lives and our personal lives. And uh, and that's what these stories are all about. It's to, to bring encouragement and inspiration. And hopefully you can learn from what someone has already gone through and apply it to your own life. So I hope and trust that today you will, through this conversation, be encouraged, be inspired, and and also be drawn into something that you may have never thought of going into, and uh, we'll get into that just a little bit later. But thanks for joining us. This uh, this program, this interview, this podcast is brought to you by our ministry called Love Key. And uh, at, at Love Key, we believe that healthy families build a healthy nation, and healthy families are built upon Jesus. Uh, it's important to note, I didn't say perfect, I said healthy. We all need Jesus and we all need it to some extent. And uh, that's what we love to do. Last year, we planted a church, Love Key Church is now going. Uh, and it's so exciting to see what God is doing here locally. We started a church in Somerset West. We've been online a few times, uh, but we're excited to see what God is doing through our church. And we believe that it's very important for people to encounter God, to align with His purposes for their lives and to reign in life like Paul says we can, and to help others to do the same. And that is our heart, that is our focus. And even through these conversations on Love Unlocks, we wanna see that happen. So my prayer and my hope is that today you will have an amazing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes for your life so that you can reign in life and help others to do the same. So thank you for joining us. Please tell us where you are logging in from, uh, where you are listening from. We would love to hear that. We already have a few people here saying someone from Port Elizabeth, from Mayerton. So great to hear from you guys. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Shirley says she's from Pretoria. Welcome, Shirley. It's so great to have you here. Uh, What a wonderful privilege. Today, I have the awesome privilege of chatting to an amazing man of God that I had the privilege of meeting a couple of years ago when they were here in South Africa. He is a very, very educated man. He's got a lot of degrees behind his name. I think I should actually be calling him doctor, Um, but he is a very humble man. He loves Jesus, and he has a passion to see the gospel be brought to the Jewish people of Israel. And he has a church there, but he also is the president of the Firm Foundation. It is the Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. Day. But I also want you to meet the man. I want you to hear his story and I want you to hear his heart. So please welcome for, to Love Unlocks all the way from Jerusalem, Israel today, Wayne Hilsden. Let's hear it, ladies and gentlemen. Make some noise wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, welcome to Love Unlocks. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for making time. How are you? I'm doing great, Heinz. I'm right now in our Summit. It's uh, on the top of a 17-story building on Jaffa Street in downtown Jerusalem, and my wife is in charge of the prayer ministry that happens on this in this upper room overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And so, uh, wow, what a place! I'm always inspired every time I'm here, looking over the city that God loves, where He's placed His name forever. So I'm doing really well. 
I'm so glad. That's exciting. And how have you uh, personally experienced this whole COVID-19 lockdown thing, you and your family, and, and, and as a ministry, how has it been for you guys? Well, it's turned everything upside down. And because God is in charge of the world, I think uh, it's all figured out from heaven. He's going to turn this thing around to be a, a great blessing and an opportunity to reach mm. more people with the good news. And so as people go through difficult times, that's when they look up and they say, is there a God? Is there, is there help from above? And I just believe, in fact, I know there's great testimonies of people around the world coming to faith in Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, because they need help. And God is our helper. Amen. Absolutely. Um, what, what would you say is, I, I totally agree with you, but obviously there has been some some difficulties in this process. And how have you uh, as a family and as a ministry navigated some of those challenges and that you were faced by? Well, let me say the biggest thing we faced, and we're, we're recovering, but, uh, you know, we bought a number of key properties in downtown Jerusalem in one building. This complex uh, is or was at least the largest uh, office and shopping complex in all of Jerusalem. We bought the largest movie theater in the shopping center. Wow. We bought the top floor on the 17th floor where I'm sitting right now sure. and uh, many other facilities as well, smaller auditoriums. We have a soup kitchen. Uh, we've got a, a different schools that, that meet in our facilities. And so what hit us hard was the fact that we couldn't use these facilities. Oh, wow. Uh, for yeah. many months, we can only have up to five people in a room. Uh, just three days ago, they changed the rule to be 10 people maximum in the room. Wow. So now one of the things that when we established the ministry here in this building, uh, we also created a for-profit entity which would rent out facilities to the cultural community in Jerusalem, to the city, to the army, to the police, uh, to the legal society. They use this beautiful auditorium that God gave us, uh, and they rent from us. Okay. Well, guess what? It Nobody rent. is renting from us. Oh, man. <laughs> and then we hosted 12 congregations in our facilities. Sure. None of them can gather. Yeah. So no rent from that. Wow. But in the last four months of 2020, uh, there was a huge turnaround. We didn't send out big appeals, uh, but people came through, and uh, we ended up about 2% down from our normal uh, income. So God, God did a miracle. That is a miracle. And, uh, oh, my word. great start in 2021. Hallelujah. Well, may that be an encouragement to any pastor or leader struggling with similar challenges out there because that's been a very big reality for a lot of people is how, how to rec the financial, you know, impact of that has been really really hard and I think and also just from a, a church point of view, you know, we miss gathering and, and doing it mm -hmm. properly, you know. Really uh, I mean, Five only and then 10 only, that's hectic. We, we're at uh, 50. You can gather 50. Uh, we had it, it was a little bit more lenient a while ago, but then we got hit by the second wave and they had to pull it way back. And now they've kind of trickled it back as a 50 can meet. And But it's challenging. I mean, for, for big churches that are used to gathering thousands, especially, it's a, it's a big challenge. But but like you say, we, we learn, we adapt, we grow, we 
you know, figure out ways. Uh, I, I'm always reminded of the scripture where Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. <laughs> but take That's heart. A great promise. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's like one of those, like, I don't want to read that scripture. <laughs> but it does end with a promise. Take heart, for in me you will have peace because I've yeah. overcome this world. And so we can always hold on to that and just trust that God will lead us in that. Uh, Wayne, you are married to a beautiful wife. I was, I think I met her when you, when she, when you were here. I think you both were together. Um, well, you said she was beautiful, so you must have noticed. <laughs> well, I also have this, this picture of you guys. So, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. I would, for, for us at our ministry at, at Love Unlocked, we, we really value marriage and family God's way. And um, whenever I, I see people that, that do it God's way. I'm just so inspired and encouraged. And, and I love to hear the stories behind uh, the what happened, especially, you know, since we're in the week of Valentine's Day, uh, I would love to hear from you. How did you guys meet? Um, how long from meeting till you popping the question? And how long have you been married? Please tell us a little bit of your story. Okay. Well, we're Canadians. Canada's a big country. My wife was brought up in Alberta, in the okay. west of Canada. Wow. I was brought up in eastern Canada. And even though we were in the same country, we were 3,000 uh, miles apart, 5,000 kilometers apart. But wow. uh, we met in just three days before Christmas, 1976. Sure. And uh, I was in university. She was working for a television ministry as a music director. And I happened to be at a church where she was also part-time as the worship director of the church. And I was in a band playing electric guitar. Oh, yeah. And I noticed <laughs> her and I asked one of the guys in the band, who's that girl sitting there? Yeah. He told me, you like, you like uh, black music? I said, I love it. She said, I've never heard a white girl play black music like she does. She's amazing. <laughs> and what she did was she introduced herself after the program and... Uh, she tells me now it wasn't that she was interested in me. It was just when I was introduced, um, she heard my name. She told friends of ours. She had heard about me. I had heard about her. We had we spoke for five minutes, went home and talked with my brother that evening. And I said, I just met the girl I'm going to marry. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. How would, you, how, would you, how would you explain that feeling to someone that's, that's single and looking for the right person but haven't found them? What is that feeling like? Can you explain it in words? I, it's kind of difficult. but I can't explain it, and I think I'm a rare bird. I don't think it's happened to too many people. But, okay. Um, I, it was just a download from heaven. It really you just was. know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just knew. Uh, now, she didn't know. Oh, um, Okay. Yeah, so like about a week later, I got the courage up to call her and ask her if I could take her for dinner. And she said, well, I'm, it's, it's just before Christmas. I've got a cantata that I'm part of. And then I said, well, what about the next evening? She said, well, I'm attending a concert, Christmas concert at another church. And mm. finally I said, you know, what are you doing all next week? <laughs> and she finally, she ran out of excuses. And okay. she ended up saying yes. And uh, I'll tell you, first date, she she knew it was, I was the guy as well. So. Oh, wow. And then she went out to her parents at Christmas, thousands of kilometers away. And I went to a conference in Chicago area. And when we got back together again, it was like, we knew this is it. 
Um, and you mentioned Valentine's Day. Yeah. Our official engagement was on Valentine's Day, which is only, what, a month and a half after we met. Oh, wow. Okay, so that was and pretty we quick. Married, and we were married six months from the day we met. I love that. That is so cool. My it's wife, great, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure I would tell other people to do the same. <laughs> this was, I mean, I, I have no regrets. I'm just saying that, you know, yeah. we, we were a little unusual. Okay, all right. No, I, I, you know, my, my story with my wife is similar, so I, we were also pretty... Well, I didn't know her for a year before, but once we knew, then it was quick. It was like two months... Uh, engaged and five months later got married. So, yeah, my I had a pastor who told me you, you're only engaged for as long as you need to plan a wedding. <laughs> you don't need to be engaged <laughs> for a long time. Just plan the yeah. wedding, get married, <laughs> do it the right way. That's awesome. Oh wow, thank you for sharing that. Uh, you've got four boys, and three of them are yes. married. They are they near you? Do they live abroad? Uh, what's the situation there? Yeah, two of our sons are here in Israel. We've got a son who's married and has three children here in Jerusalem. He has a company. It's uh, film, video, and uh, doing a great job with that. And then I have my oldest son who is in Tel Aviv, and uh, he's in full-time music and worship ministry, writing music, uh, producing albums from other people for other people. And awesome. he's married to a Polish from Warsaw. Oh, wow. And sadly, and this is one of the outcomes of the lockdown, is uh, he came back from Poland to be here to write some new music for a new album with his band and was supposed to invite his wife officially through the government to get her here. Yeah. And then they they intensified the lockdown, shut down our airport entirely. Oh, it's still shut down. man. Except for emergencies. That's the only use the airport. So she's stuck back in Warsaw and he's in Tel Aviv. Yeah. Hectic. And and how 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 long has that been now? A few months? It's about a month. Yeah. Okay. And but it doesn't look hopeful for the next probably month or two either. Okay. Now she's got a business there. It's amazing. She started a company about four years ago with a uh, another young lady and uh, it's called Balagan and okay. it's a fashion company and uh, they won Top of brand of the year last year for Poland for fashion, and um, it's a pretty amazing company. Wow! The word Balagan means chaos, and that it's what it means in Hebrew, and it also means that in Polish. And, no way! But it's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, if oh, you want right. to if you want to check out the website, it's um, balaganstudio. Okay. Dot com, I think. Yeah. Awesome! Thank you so much for. Uh Sharing that, that's, that's awesome. Uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you about the family. I, I think that it's always interesting to ask this. So when you think of your wife, what is the first word that comes to mind? Talented, gifted. Okay. Yeah, because there's the music side and the, okay, so cool. All right. Well, she's talented in, in so many ways. It's not just the music. Uh, okay. She's, uh, she, she doesn't have a degree after her name, but she's a phenomenal architect. What? An interior designer. In fact, right next to me, probably 10 meters away, she's painting a wall here in our summit prayer Wow. Center okay. And redesigning the space. And uh, she's Amazing. built, she's taken old homes of, you know, 80 years old, 120 years old, recreated them, added floors in downtown Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, just on the side. Sure. That's amazing. I'd love to see that, man. 
must be beautiful. Um, yeah. So you you have, as I said earlier, you have a lot of degrees behind your name. Uh, you're a you're you're a real gentleman. Some say I'm dying by degrees, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a real gentleman. The the way that you carry yourself. But I, I know that all of us, at some point, we we have these moments where things just don't exactly go our way, and we we have embarrassing moments. Do you, and I, I have to ask all my guests this question, so I'm sorry to do this to you, but do you have a most embarrassing story that you can share with us? I have a very recent one. Okay, about great. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, you see this cup here, this plastic disposable cup? I went to the cooler and got it, and I brought it to get ready for this interview, and um, I noticed there was a crack, and then suddenly I looked at my shirt, it's starting to dry now, but you can see maybe <laughs> how bad it is. So that's that. I wanted to give you something um, up to date. So that recent, was the latest. That's very recent. I really wanted to look for you, but anyway. <laughs> well, luckily we can't see that, and that that's a bit of a cop out, Wayne. I'm going to call you on that. Um, I need I need something that happened on a stage or in front of other people. <laughs> okay, I will tell you something if you want. You really want it. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I do. invited, I invited a lady, a very famous lady. I won't say her name because it's more embarrassing to her than it is for me. But okay. I was embarrassed as well. <laughs> and she, she preached for us, and she went up on this platform, and she decided she would kneel down, and pray before she preached. Now this okay. lady is, she would have been in her mid seventies at that time. She's now in her late eighties. Okay. Still preaching. Amazing lady. Now everybody's wow. guessing who this person is. She <laughs> got on her knees to pray. She went to get up to preach. And she fell on her back and her feet went up like this. No. And I rushed up on the stage to pick her up off the stage. And that was a little embarrassing. Oh, man. And did she recover? And, and then I was at a conference. I was, I was, we were both speaking at a conference in Philadelphia in the States. Uh, a year or two after that, and all the preachers before the service all got on their knees to pray. And as she went down on her knees, do, do you really want to do this? <laughs> Are you sure you want to go on your knees again? <laughs> that is funny. Oh, shame. Man, that is hysterical. Uh, those, but those things happen, and we have to just, you know, move on and push through. That's, that's awesome. When you have done so much with your life already um so many amazing things that that you can look back on and and say wow that's awesome i'm so grateful to god um with what is left of your life and what you I, <laughs> that doesn't sound like i've got much left that sounds that. terrible anyway, let me put it in a different way <laughs> sorry i didn't mean it that way <laughs> i'm going to try that again so <laughs> you what would you still like to achieve in your lifetime does that, is that better what do you still dream of achieving or yeah. seeing seeing happen in your lifetime? Well, you know, I only did my doctoral studies uh, in the last few years. I graduated uh, last year okay. with a Doctor of Ministry degree from Asbury Seminary in America. So I'm a late bloomer. Um, and I don't know why I did this. Why would I inflict myself with that work? <laughs> uh, but I really knew the Lord told me to do it. I, I I had a very clear sense to do it. Right. Now I'm trying to figure out why. And I'll tell you what I'm very fascinated with right now is getting into the scriptures 
and getting behind the text, uh, looking at the biblical Hebrew of the Old Testament in particular, and digging out gems from the cultural and historical and geographical background of the text, as well as uh, the, the actual Hebrew words themselves. So I've always had a passion to help leaders, especially preachers and pastors, and I want to develop maybe a podcast where I will share some of those nuggets. And right. in fact, I know you're using a great piece of software called Ecamm. I do. And I started learning Ecamm about seven, eight months ago with the idea that I would start this podcast and have not done it yet. And uh, <laughs> there are a number of reasons why I couldn't do it. But now I'm inspired again seeing how you use it, and it's great. And so uh, I don't want to promise. I, don't, I, I hate making promises I can't keep. So... But I'm passionate about it, spending yeah. three or four hours a day in the Word, in the Hebrew text. And um, already tomorrow, I've got three other guys that are part of our firm team that I'm going to be sharing some of these insights with them. So I'm practicing on them. They're my guinea pigs. And then if it goes well, I'll open it up, you know, maybe on YouTube or That's great. Yeah. platform. Well, the great thing about a podcast, it can just be audio. You know, at first, and you yes. can later That's do cameras. So I look better. I look a lot better on audio. <laughs> so what do those guys say? You've got a real face for radio. <laughs> no, listen, I, I, um, I, I think. You, you work great on camera. I'm just saying, you know, if you want to start slow, that's a cool way to start. And you can even record the session you have right. with those guys and who knows where it can go. But yep. that is something I would personally yep. be very interested in. I think it's amazing uh, to to learn from that. And uh, yeah, so that's amazing. So I, I want to get into your testimony, your story. Um, I would love to hear how someone from Canada ends up running a a church a, a christ-centered church in the middle of the of jerusalem and also have you know this massive ministry that influences the, the israel for the gospel um how did that all start where how did you meet christ please tell us your moment of salvation and the some of the yeah. significant landmarks for you in your spiritual journey well i grew up in a pastor's home and my parents were model parents. They loved each other and they loved me and my brother. And uh, at age five, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of my sinful attitude and sinful life. Wow, I hadn't age five. Drugs yet, but That's I was amazing. five. And my mom uh, saw me weeping and she knelt down with me and she asked what was wrong. And I said, well, I, I need to be saved. Uh, I need to pray that Jesus will come into my life. So, believe it or not, I've never turned back on the Lord in all those years. Wow. And I am 67, almost 68 now. So That's amazing. Uh, you know, I used to think I had a crummy testimony. You know, yeah. I, I really didn't get into drugs and uh, other kinds of, you know, crazy sins. Uh, but I do have a testimony. The testimony is God's faithfulness to keep me all these years. Yeah. And keep me into into stuff that, you know, would have lasting negative effects in my life. Now, get how did we get to Israel? So uh, I was a pastor in downtown Toronto, Canada, 
my wife and I, uh, and she was the music director there. They're only, they only hired me because they wanted her as the music director. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I had this great well, you're boss, one, so. <laughs> great pastor who, who really invested in me, taught me servant leadership, and which is the only kind of real leadership, biblically speaking. Amen. And, um, and so I just invested in developing a young adults ministry, which really grew and developed in that older church with mostly gray-haired people became a pretty young church. <laughs> and while I was pastoring there with my wife, um, a pastor in the area uh, had a church north of Toronto. We were on a short vacation. We stopped on the way to uh, the lakes at his church on a Sunday morning. He didn't know we were coming. He saw us in the crowd. He said to his wife, invite Wayne and Ann for dinner. Now, we didn't know each other that well be frank and he was older than us but we agreed to go for dinner after the service and over dinner he said I just got back from Israel I feel like God's called me to go back to Israel I'm about to resign my church and my wife and I are going to move there and we're going to start a church in Jerusalem and then off the top of his head without premeditating anything he didn't even pray about it he said would you and Anne come and help us start that church in Jerusalem Wow. This is 1981. It's a long time ago. Wow. So uh, it took us a while to get there, but when it was time to launch the church, uh, we went and joined them to do that in August of 1983. And all it was was a little Bible study in a small apartment. And I was the worship leader at the time, and I, we made a uh, pulpit out of a, uh, an end table with a stack of prayer books on it. <laughs> and it was very primitive. That's amazing. And uh, use what you have. We moved into the uh, YMCA, uh, where we the congregation began to grow. And then we moved into the main auditorium, which was actually a concert hall where the Israel, where the Jerusalem Symphony used to record their concerts. They moved out. They their contract came in. We took over their contract and developed um, our worship center in a rented facility, which was a 600-seat hall on King David Street in downtown Jerusalem. Mm. And then the Lord gave us some clarity on what, what are we doing here? I mean, the only thing we knew was to start a church. That was about it. We didn't have clarity. About three years into our work here, the Lord downloaded to us that there were three things we should do. Number one is to plant other congregations, making King of Kings, the first congregation, kind of a mother to daughters, yeah, And then secondly, to train up people for ministry, mostly leadership. And so we did that one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, younger people. That eventually turned into a Bible college, which is now called Israel College of the Bible. And uh, it's mm. the main Bible college across Israel now, full-time. It goes all the way to the doctoral level. Wow. Like the, the doctoral degree is co-granted with Dallas Theological Seminary. Sure. And uh, they have the most vibrant effective digital outreach I know of in the world. It's called One for Israel. They've had now, I think it's 135 million views on YouTube of testimonies of Jewish people who have come to faith in Jesus. Yeah, I've watched and, some of those. It's so powerful. Yeah. Sure. Amazing. Yeah. So that started out of a little, out of our office Amazing. way back. We don't run it anymore. It was early on that we yeah. turned it over to the Lord. Israelis to run. Okay. And we just watch it from afar and and are so excited about what God did. That's amazing. So, I, I was wondering if there's any link. Yeah. Sorry. 
I was going to say, you know, number one was to plant congregations. Number two, train leaders. And number three is to be a catalyst for unity among all the believers in Israel. Uh, and, of course, we didn't see, like, we were going to be over anybody. Yeah. In fact, uh, we'll come under everybody and just try to help and bless and bring people together for to get synergy so that we are more effective bringing the gospel to the nation of Israel. That's awesome. Is is that where firm kind of comes from? Is that where it has its yes. roots? Is in that idea? Absolutely okay. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're on that subject, please tell us a bit more about uh, firm. What what is it? What do you guys do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the focus? We'd love to hear that. Yeah. So you know, I I was the senior pastor. Uh, the first pastor that I joined to start the church um, went back to Canada five years after we started the church. And we left on great terms, and we're still super friends, and we hang out with each other. But he's back in Canada now. And so I was the senior pastor, I think, 27 years. I knew as I got older, I've got to develop a a successor. There's no success without a successor. And so (laughs) found a guy named Chad Holland. He's doing a terrific job leading the ministry now of King of Kings, the church, and now uh, it's about 16 congregations that are all attached in a network in Israel and now outside of Israel as well, in the States, including uh, King of Kings, Los Angeles. But as, as I knew he was about to take charge, I, I had this sense from about three years previous that, that we should form what we call now FIRM which is an acronym for Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries. And what that was to be was to bring together as many quality, trusted ministers, ministries across Israel uh, to know each other, to find ways of cooperating and uh, partnering together, and then telling their stories to the rest of the world, especially among Christians who have a heart for Israel but don't know how to get involved. And... Uh, so we now have over 60, 60 uh, ministries that have joined our association of firm. And I see that you've got uh, our website on the screen showing what that looks like. And we have bios of all of these ministries. So if anybody wants to go to our website, they can click on any ministry that they're interested in, whether it's pro-life, whether it's uh, Israel Bible Society, or whether it's a discipleship program, or it's a, a music school or it's a local congregation, whatever. I mean, it's a long list, all categorized differently. Yeah. So if people want to connect and partner, they can go to our website and get and get all that information. Yeah, so that's a big part of what we do. A, a second part of what we do is we try to together uh, speak to the world about what's really going on in Israel, what God is doing in Israel today, and at times our advocates for Israel when... Israel's being treated unfairly. You know, anti-Semitism, it's raising its ugly head again around the world. And Israel's not the perfect nation. No no nation is. And often Israel is targeted, especially uh, by those who hate the Jewish people and hate uh, the fact that Israel exists in the middle of uh, a Muslim-dominated Middle East. And so... We do speak up and advocate on behalf of Israel as well. That's amazing. Sure. I I remember even before I met you a couple of years ago, 
when I listened to Robert Morris's uh, teaching on the blessed life, one of the things that stood out for me about what he said is, he said, a lot of people ask us, why is our ministry so blessed? And, and he would say to them, it's easy. It's because we bless Israel. We, and, and he says, it's about that scripture that um, I've seen uh, is on your, your website and in your videos. And it's also on the One for Israel website where it says we need to take the, the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And that it's about mm -hmm. there has to be a heart for bringing the gospel to the people of God. And yep. that really, that really resonated with me. And so when we planted our church and we started seeing people gather and join us and start to uh, contribute to the, the ministry, um, my wife said, listen, where, where is the church going to tithe to? <laughs> and I said, so, you know what, that I've been thinking about that. I've been praying about that. And I told her, I think we should, we should bless Israel. And one of the best ways I can think of is, is through firm because you have, you, you have 60 and probably going to have more ministries already tied together that are doing different kinds of work, like you said. Uh, I think the one that stands out for me is that the gospel is being preached to to Jewish people. That it's and that it, it, there's one of the organizations that are bringing Jews back to Israel. Um, there's mm -hmm. they're looking after Holocaust victims. They are looking after widows. It's there's so many mm -hmm. amazing things that are happening, and and uh, it's awesome that you can say to where you want your money to go, or that you just want to bless the whole foundation. Um, I think it's awesome. So that's what we decided to do that as a as a church and to support and to to just know that this is part of God's plan and God's heart. And and I realize I realize that. Me doing this interview with you talking about Israel, I'll probably get some backlash because there's, like you say, there are unfortunately a lot of negative views about Israel. Um, and, you know, as a Christian, I don't really understand why um, there are Christians that may feel that way. But I do understand why the world could, could feel that way. Um, and this, for me today, this conversation is important because I think like you say, we, you want to educate people on what is actually happening there and, and what, is, what is going on. And when you watch the videos on your website and just see how lives are being changed, it's, it's exciting. And I've seen some other statistics that there's been more Jewish people who have converted to Christianity in the last few years than like ever before. Is that correct? It is. Now, I would use one, I would replace the word convert with turn to Jesus as their Messiah. I'll tell you why I say that. Okay. Is what's unique about the Jewish people is that Jesus is their Messiah. They are not leaving their Jewish identity or even their Jewish faith. They are actually simply receiving the Messiah that's promised in their own scriptures. Wow. Okay. So, you know, typically when you think of converting, you're, you're changing religions. Yeah. In fact, even the government of Israel defines that using the term change religion. Okay. We don't believe anybody's changing a religion if okay. they're Jewish. You know, we, we share the same Hebrew scriptures and the Messiah is prophesied throughout the Hebrew scriptures. So they're simply adopting the one that was already promised to them by, by the Father. So mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. I, that's, I, I love being 
taught how to say things the right way. So <laughs> thank you for that. But it's good. I mean, I'm we not need rebuking to, you. No, 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 no. Clarifying it. I, I, um, I decided a long time ago that I, I will never take offense. I will just be teachable um, because it's important to be that way. And, and that's one of the reasons I love talking to you is, is to learn. And um, obviously you've, you've you learned the Hebrew language. Did you, did you learn that even before you went to Israel or did you learn it when you started working there? Yeah, once I knew that we were moving to Israel, um, and at that point I didn't know any Hebrew. Okay. You know, I went to seminary and I studied New Testament Greek. Yeah. But never took Hebrew. Okay. Uh, but about maybe a month before we moved here, I went to a, I think I took four classes in Toronto, uh, just the basics. You know, learn the alphabet. All right. And then learn the rest here in Israel. That's amazing. And how, how could you explain to the average Christian listening to this that? How did the Bible open up to you when you started reading the Hebrew and you're even now saying that you have this thing that you still want to, there's so much more to discover. Um, mm -hmm. Can you explain to, to some extent how that felt? What did, how did it open things up for you in the Bible? Right. First thing I want to clarify, and that is that anybody who reads the Bible in their own language is getting the basics of the faith enough to be saved, enough to become a disciple and follower of Jesus. So I don't want to give the impression that okay. if you don't know Hebrew, you're, you're, you're going to be deceived or That's good. You know, off track entirely. Thank you. Yeah. you know, what it does is it adds a richness. It adds some clarity or uh, correction maybe sometimes to some of the translations yeah. when you learn the language. Okay. Uh, that's what I would say. But, you know, I could talk about a word as simple as shalom, okay? Mm. We, we translate that generally as peace. What you understand when you look at other words that are related to the same letters, the three letters of shalom, you see that it's, it's not just peace or absence of trouble or war, but it's wholeness. It's, um, it's wellness, body, soul, and spirit. It's, it, mm. it has more to it than what meets the eye. But I could give you many, many examples like that. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I uh, I have a friend who uh, is very. Um, he, he's got a huge love for Hebrew, and he's been learning it for the I don't know how long. And uh, it's always great to chat to him and and to the way he also shows you that. I think the big thing he showed me is that we tend to in the Western world because, and especially because of the, um, the the Greek from the New Testament is the way he explains it to me. Uh, we tend to think more abstract, whereas Hebrew concepts are actually more literal. Is that right? Would you agree with that? What I would say is Greek thinking typically compartmentalizes ideas. Okay. You know, it, it, you categorize everything. You know, just how we would outline a text if, or a sermon or a lecture, that's a very Greek way of approaching things. Whereas a Hebrew way of looking at the world is it, it all kind of blends together. Okay. That the physical realm, the spiritual realm, the soulish realm, it's all one piece. All right. You, you can't compare, com, compartmentalize it. You know, and when you, when you think about the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection that will come if we believe in him, Mm. Um, you know, we when we die, our soul and our spirit goes to heaven, to the Lord, right? To paradise. But most people forget that 
until we have our bodies reunited with our spirits and our souls at the resurrection, we're not whole yet. Hmm. So you're only getting a taste of the heavenly realm. It's when the whole body and spirit and soul are brought back together that you get that wholeness. Oh, wow. So that's not a Greek way of thinking. You know, the Greek way of thinking typically is that the body is actually, um, it's, it's material, it's negative. It's, it's, what you ultimately want is to escape the body mm. and just be a soul. Not, that's not the way the Hebrew mind looks at it. Everything was built, made by God and to be restored one day. It'll be a new kind of body, but it'll be still a body. And there'll be a material realm. Yeah. You know, we think of heaven as being floating on the clouds and yeah. way out there as some ethereal, abstract thing. Yeah. But that's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, even Revelation has a Hebrew understanding of one day, the Messiah is going to come. He's going to rule on literal physical land, and one day a physical Jerusalem is going to descend from heaven, replacing that city, but it'll still have a physical dimension. Wow, that's a maybe the streets are going to maybe the streets are going to be gold, which is nice, <laughs> but um, it's it, it, it's not going to be just this ethereal thing. It's it's very material, and that's a Hebrew way of well, it's God's way of understanding things. That's huge. Uh, that definitely rocks my understanding of things in a big way. And I would love to to learn more about that. That's really interesting. And I'm starting to rethink whether I want to be cremated one day. <laughs> just, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, but but also, can, uh, I am kind of like thinking differently now. That's amazing. Sorry, what are you going to say? No, I was just going to say, if you're cremated, I mean, God has a way of... Uh, if he could make something out of nothing, if he could make Adam out of a piece of dirt, I think he can handle that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he can. But that, that I mean, that that topic on its own is is very interesting, and I hope you do a podcast on that that I can listen to eventually. <laughs> well, it was a big problem, frankly, in the New Testament. Paul had to address it a lot. Oh, okay. You know, where people justified sin because, you know, my... My flesh sins, but my spirit is something else. It's another category. I, yeah. I can, you know what I mean? So you've got all these so-called believers who are not living in the material world according to their faith. Yeah. They've got that spiritual dimension, and at the same time, they're sleeping around. They're uh, being abusive. They're disobeying the Word of God. It's a dangerous thing. Wow. That's that's huge, man. I think I have to get you back on the program just so we can talk about that and, <laughs> and, and unpack that a bit because I think there's a lot of – we have adopted a lot of Greek thinking in the Western world uh, in doing church because, I, I mean, you're, yeah. the, what you're saying is challenging to me and I'm sure to some people who are listening and it changes a lot of stuff. Um, and I've always been interested about the – I don't want to get too intellectual – uh, but um, when when you read the the Word of God and even different translations, it se- th- there seems to be a few terms that are interchangeable, uh, especially when it comes to mind, heart. Uh, it sometimes it's the one, it's the other, and where I would maybe say, you know, it's spirit or it's soul, or uh, but now you say it's all one thing, so maybe that's why it seems a little 
all over the place because it doesn't really matter what you refer to. Is that does that make sense, or, or is it? I think that's true. Okay. I, I think it's true. I mean, all it's right. not that in Hebrew thinking that you don't recognize the spiritual dimension. Yeah. As opposed to the physical dimension, but you don't. You're not that. What should I say? You, you don't divide things up so rigidly. Okay. That in is, a Hebrew way of mindset, it's a much more holistic approach. Sure. Okay. And, you know, the New Testament really is very Hebrew in its ways. I mean, you know, when it says in the book of James, and James was a religious Jew, you know, he was quite orthodox, actually. Yeah. You know, and he said, very he straightforward. He says, when you get sick, call for the elders of the church, right? Have them anoint you with oil and, you know, pray for you to be healed. Mm. And it says, and uh, that he will... He will, he'll, he will save the sick. Yeah. He will save the sick. You know yes. that passage? Yeah. So here you've got this idea of salvation with healing. Okay? Sometimes we think, oh, okay, there's physical healing, and then yeah. there's emotional healing. and there's, it, it's, all, it's all one, really. And just you know? after that passage is the famous one where it says, confess your sins to one another so you can be yeah. healed. So it's, healed. it's physical. Right. It's the... It's the physical yeah. healing, then there's the, the sin healing, and then there's, yeah. So I also read that in context, and I was like, oh my word, this is, you actually have to see this all together. And um, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. It says, the one who was anointed will rise and be healthy, uh, or be saved, sorry, mm -hmm. be saved. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Well, I love chatting to you, man. I'm learning so much. <laughs> uh, you, I, I listened to one of your latest messages yesterday that you, where you spoke about the, the shield of faith and it was it was such a great uh, way of explaining how that all fits together referring to Ephesians 6 uh, 1 Peter uh, or was it 2 Peter I can't remember now <laughs> didn't listen it's, that well it's 1 Peter 1 Peter yes mm -hmm. uh, 1 Peter 2 and and it was I, I was just I thought it was so amazing how you explained how important our faith is to understand it the right way and how it's the one of the most important things we have. Um, I was wondering if there's a way you can quickly summarize the, 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 the main point there for us, because I find that there's a lot of Christian terms that are thrown around and not everyone, you know, understands them the same way, you know, it's like right. faith, like salvation, lordship, right. obedience, there's all these terms that, that we hear, but I don't always think we all understand it the same way or with the same biblical weight. Um, and I thought yeah. that the way you brought faith home was really powerful. So would you mind sharing a bit on that? And then I, I would love people to go and watch on your King of Kings website, the whole message, but maybe just for now, that, that could be a, a breakthrough thing for someone. Well, I listened to your sermon about a week and a half ago. And <laughs> Thank you and, so much. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've preached two messages from First Peter in the last month. So I'm not sure which one you, you uh, are referring to. I, the one freshest in my mind is the one I preached two days ago. <laughs> but I'm okay. not sure that's the one you're talking about. I, I got actually, into... Uh, and I can, okay, it? so you, you followed up on a series. You, you, in the yeah. beginning, you referred back to one of your other pastors who started with 1 Peter, and then you yeah. continued and talked about the, the shield of faith. 
Um, but it's fine. Okay. I mean, I think your latest one was actually about alignment, which I also thought was interesting because we're in a series yeah. on alignment with God Great. at the moment in our church. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that one is built on First Peter chapter 2, going into uh, the first seven verses of chapter 3. And, and we're dealing with the fact that Jesus is called the cornerstone. So he's in the foundation of the building that God is building, his spiritual temple. And to be aligned, we need to be aligned to Jesus. He is the cornerstone. Yeah. If you're out of sync, if you're you're not uh, in the right position, your life is going to be, um, you're not going to have the same significance or sense of purpose while you're on the planet. Yeah. But if you're linked to Jesus, then you realize you are a special person. You've been dug out of God's quarry and especially shaped and put into his building. Mm. And then I dealt with another kind of alignment, not only to Jesus, but you've got to be aligned to governing authorities that God put in place. So I talked about that. And then I talked about how you were aligned to your boss if you're an employee. Mm. Peter talks about how servants should look at their masters. And the reality is uh, your boss is not so much your earthly master it is the master of the universe and you do what you do unto the lord and i think that makes a big difference in our work if we realize that we are uh, on the planet to serve him as our boss yeah and we know that he he sees us he knows us he's omniscient uh, we're going to behave differently than a, to a human boss a human boss is like what can i do to make him think i'm really doing a good job <laughs> if i can get, if i can you know, so you might spend half your day browsing on the internet uh, and goofing off and not being productive. Yeah. But if your boss doesn't know that and you, you get away with it, then you're happy. Now, that's not the way we operate as a believer. If we're aligned to, to the Lord, he's our boss. And then I got into uh, marriage and family, and I know that's a big focus for you and your new uh, church. And, Absolutely. Uh, talk about relation of uh, relation between husbands and wives, and mm. that's the... A bit controversial, but you know, I just I just went for it. I what's the Bible say? And thank you. Let the Good. chips fall as they fall. Yeah. No. Listen. The the those. It's so crazy that the most fundamental truths and ways that God designed us and the world are being now. You know, the world is telling us no. It's not the way it is. <laughs> Yeah. And it's so it's just it's getting it's on such a level of insanity that you can you can't even say that and not get in trouble, you know? So yeah. it's crazy. I, I think it's crazy. I think we're moving I think we're moving in a direction unless there's revival. Yeah. I, I do believe it will be a great end time revival, but Amen. in the meantime, until that happens, I, I would not surprise me that in many countries, even Western countries, they will ban the Bible. Sure. It won't be on library shelves. It yeah. won't be available to download on the internet. Uh, and it will be called, you know, a, uh, a the scriptures will be called uh, a threat to society and that it's chauvinistic, sure. it's masochistic, yeah. it's, uh, it's violent, it's a threat to mankind. I think that's what we're facing. So it won't surprise me that we'll be like Peter who lived under the reign of Nero, the worst emperor maybe in history, and uh, end up being crucified. I mean, he was crucified upside down. If you mm. 
according to this historians, we're going to pay a price. Yeah. Do you know what? History shows that typically people who preach the gospel boldly and end up in jail or end up in some kind of uh, persecution uh, are used by God to bring revival. Yeah. And the expansion of the kingdom. I mean, we see it, we saw it in China when, you know, churches were banned back in the uh, four, late 40s, 50s, 60s. And of course, now it's reverting back to that in many yeah. ways. But, but God uh, used persecution to spread the good news. Amazing. So I think we're headed that way, frankly. Wow. I think it's going to be a lot clearer in the last days who's in the kingdom and who's not. Absolutely. It's going to be very unpopular to be a believer. Yeah. So, you know, the only ones who will even admit that they're a believer are ones who really love Jesus. Sure. Not the ones who just hang on and go to church just because it's the cultural thing to do. Yeah. So it's going to become very important on that note um, for us to really know the Word of God by heart. Like we need to make that a part of who we are more than ever. I I remember reading the, you're talking about China, the book about Brother Yoon, Heavenly Man, um, where he talks about how when when they when the Ch- Chinese underground church when they just get a sliver of the Bible, they would memorize mm. it and then they would physically eat it because one they couldn't find it on them because they'd get in trouble. But also they were like, I want to eat the word physically and make it a part of who I am. But they would memorize it. He knew the New Testament off by heart, the most yeah. of it anyway. And I yeah. think yeah, you know what? You know, we I, need to be I, ready. Let me just tell you, say quickly that. Before most people in the world ever heard of Wuhan in China, <laughs> my <laughs> wife and I were there and we were asked to preach at a conference there. Oh, wow. And you okay. know, I'll tell you how embarrassed I was. You talked earlier about you know, what's the most embarrassing <laughs> thing I ever had. Okay. I got up to preach. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm going to you know, share with these people. They're, they're, they're pretty simple, mostly, uh, they're mostly people from the country, okay. rural people whatever i get up to preach and i begin to read the text that i'm preaching from they don't have a bible in their hand and they are saying it in chinese with me yeah. simultaneously they wow. have memorized that whole text wow and i'm thinking like they need to be teaching me yeah that's amazing so that so the stories are true they re- they really oh, know yeah. the bible off by heart that is powerful sure we are almost out of time, and I, I don't want to miss this last thing. I would love to, if I know it's difficult maybe to do it in, a, in just a few minutes, but Wayne, I would love to hear your heart to the church of the world, the church of South Africa. Um, how do we, what should we be doing and focusing on, and how should we navigate this, this season that we're in? I think this season is the time for us to get close to God. In some ways, for some people, especially those who are on, un- on unemployment, can't find a job, wow, what an opportunity mm. to make the Bible and the study of the Word their job. Sure. I can tell you that, you know, in some of the ways we can't do the regular ministry we've done in the past, and it's given me more time mm. to be in the Word. I mentioned earlier, I was spending three or four hours a day just studying the Word. Wow. And at times I felt a little guilty. I mean, I should be out there working. And then I remembered Acts chapter 6, where it talked about the apostles uh, appointing deacons to handle a lot of the administrative stuff. And what did they devote themselves to? The Word. The Word and prayer. Mm. Mm. 
Sure. So I'm just devoting a lot of time to word, the word in prayer, and I'm in our prayer room right now. And uh, by the way, I don't know if this will work, but I could take my computer and actually take you to the window and show you the view of Jerusalem. I, if, that I would be amazing. Yeah, let's do that in the end. Yeah. I would love to see that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I, I, the challenge to every believer is to get locked down in the Word of God. Mm. Seek God's face. This is a time to, to rebuild the base, the foundation of your life, so that nothing will shake you. Yes. This, is, hey, this pandemic is probably not the last global crisis we're going to face. Whether it's war or terrorism or another pandemic, we don't know what it's going to be. Mm. Um, and, and some people have been shaken to the core and are not walking with the Lord right now because they were not prepared for this reality. This is the time to prepare for war. And I say war, not necessarily physical. We're, we, we're always in a spiritual war, right? Yeah. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against these principalities and powers in high places and against the devil who is a roaring lion seeking to, just, to devour us. So yeah. Get in the Word, get into prayer, and then once you're, once you're that close to the Lord, then He directs your path. He, he shows you clearly what your next steps are. You know, what you can do after the lockdown. Um, a lot of people are walking around in confusion. They don't know what's going on, but God has clarity to give to those who seek His face. Amen. So good. Sure. Thank you, Wayne. I, I want to ask that as a as a last thing we do today, that you will, um, well, can you show us Jerusalem? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like you offered. I'll do it right now. And then... Uh, I'm in a little office uh, next to our prayer room. My wife is painting. All right. Unless she took a break. Okay. I might show you that. Great. But I'm walking down the hall now. All right. Okay. And here is the eastern view of Jerusalem. Can you wow. see anything? Yeah, we can. That's beautiful. Wow, look at that. Okay, so this, to the right of this big new condo tower, yeah, uh, you can see the shiny dome of the rock, mm. and behind that is the Mount of Olives, right? Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I see. That's day. very small, but I see it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on a clear day, we see Amman, Jordan in the distance. Wow. Uh, six in the evening, usually, as it's getting a little darker, we see two towers in downtown Amman, Amazing. Jordan. Amazing. So this is one set of windows, and then we have another set that looks toward the government offices of Jerusalem, which includes the Knesset, the, uh, the Parliament of Israel. Okay. David's Harp Bridge in the distance, maybe. Yeah. You can see that. Yeah, you broke up okay. for a sec, but you're back. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And then just to the very far left is the Knesset. The lighting's not perfect, so you can't see it that yeah, way. Yeah. But, and then we have an open balcony, and uh, we go out and pray. And, you know, we, we watch and pray. We keep our eyes open when we pray around here. I love it. And my wife's going to kill me, but I'm going to show you what she's doing right now. <laughs> she's painting. This is our main upper room, prayer room. Nice. That's so some, cool. Uh, prayer songs. I see Martin Smith on the screen right now. Yes. By the way, That's this is awesome. crazy, but Martin Smith was with us about a year, uh, two years ago, for our Jerusalem Encounter Conference for Firm. Wow. And he, he got so blessed 
that he wrote me. He said, Wayne, I'm, I'm writing a new song. I want you to co-write this with me. No way. And, uh, and so actually, um, he's got a song out there now called uh, Fires... Uh, Fire Fall, I think it's called, or Fire's yeah. Fall. Yeah, wow. And, uh, Are you the co-author? You're the, the co That's so cool. <laughs> I mean, he did it as a, you know, just to thank me and bless me. And That's amazing. I didn't really contribute much, so. That's amazing, wow. Thank you for doing that. That was really special. I've only been to Israel once myself and Jerusalem, and it was such a powerful experience. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait for things to be open. I want to bring my wife, and we would love to visit you guys one day when it's possible. So trusting God for that. Um, Wayne, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for investing in our lives, and, and thank you for what you do with Firm and with, uh, with King of Kings. We just pray God's blessing on you. Uh, would you please pray for those who are listening right now? And, um, and then yeah. I will end off with a prayer for you guys as well. Okay. And uh, before I pray, just to say thank you uh, for deciding that as you launch your church, you're going to bless Israel right from the beginning. And your gift arrived. <laughs> and very generous and so grateful. Thank you. No, thank and, you. Uh, it's uh, it's, it's, it's the least you. we can do. We wish we can do more as we go forward. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. So, Lord, we come to you and we thank you that you are on your throne. You are not shaken by what happens on the earth. Lord, you are far above the earth and you built it. You know how to fix it. And we turn to you, Lord, and we pray for the eradication of this horrible pandemic. Amen. That we'll be able to uh, have freedom again to mm. move and to, to do the things that we sense we're called to do. Mm. But Lord, thank you in some ways for this time where we can't do the normal things, but we can do some of the more foundational things, and that is to be in your word and in prayer. And so, God, we pray for every listener, every viewer right now, that there'll be a new passion for you, yeah. a new commitment to be faithful to you and to know you at a depth like never before. Amen, yes. So that you, they will hear your voice and know your will and be able to not just cope, not just uh, survive during this pandemic, but to thrive and to accomplish great things. Yes. So I'm reminded of Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the people who know their God will do exploits. Mm. People who know their God will do exploits. Yes. So Lord, we want to know you in a greater way today. Mm. Thank you for Heinz and this wonderful ministry and the new church that they've planted. Lord, may it be a powerful voice to South Africa and beyond. Yes, thank you, Lord. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for Wayne and for for the firm foundation and for King of Kings Church and for his marriage, his children. Lord, I thank you that you have raised up this man and have just put him in such an amazing position to, to be an ambassador for you in Israel, in Jerusalem, and uh, to be busy with the work that he's busy with. Thank you so much. Thank you for his life, his, his mission, his purpose. Thank you for his love for you and for people. And Lord, I just ask that you will bless him his marriage, his family, his ministries, and take it all from strength to strength and glory to glory. And uh, I thank you, Lord, that today 
this this message went out and it touched hearts and touched lives and I pray that that you will connect the right hearts to this pro, to these projects that they're busy with and I thank you that, that there will be a, a huge reaction for people who want to align with what you are doing through the fellowship of Israel related ministries and, and through the King of Kings Church I thank you for that in the name of Jesus Christ Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, amen. Wayne. I thank you so much, brother. I'm, uh, I'm so grateful for your time and for your investment in this program and in the people that listen. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today, people. Uh, I really appreciate your time and, and being, for being with us today. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for uh, telling us where you're logging in from and being part of the conversation. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I will Please go and like our pages, subscribe to our YouTube channel and the podcasts and share with other people. We would love for this community to grow every day and, uh, and for more people to come into these stories and into our messages of the week. So may God bless you and keep you. And please join us this Sunday again at 10 a.m. for our online church service. And make sure you join us for the next Love Unlocks live session. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.